Hello, hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Parks. Thanks for joining us today. It is cold outside. It is so cold outside, so hopefully you all are staying warm and staying safe out there. Today we are talking about having an identity crisis when your job becomes your life, when those lines become so blurred that you don't really know how to balance it all and balance almost seems like an impossible act and I've heard from so many people who are just even right now at the brink of a breakdown you're on the verge this whole year has been exhausting and you've had to work overtime you've had to get used to new working conditions, you've had to show up for people and just have a whole new set of precautions and safety measures. And, you know, on top of that, working with your staff and making sure that they're doing well and, and keeping their mental health a priority. And that's not even talking about your own family or your own self-care. It's so much right now, and we just want to take a moment to commend you for showing up and commend you for staying motivated because it's not easy. It's not easy. There's so many people to answer to as a parks and recreation professional, and we just want to thank you for everything that you've done and just to encourage you that your work it doesn't always seem like it gets noticed, but it matters. It really does matter. People need their parks more than ever. They need these programs more than ever. So even if you aren't able to show up or offer them in the ways that you would have before, it still matters. So today we are highlighting a story from Mary Liz Jane who is the aquatic and fitness manager at the Lyle Park District in Illinois. She has worked her way up from being a program manager, overseeing special events and youth and teen events. She has been in the field for over six years and has a passion for serving others and going the extra mile to show her care for the, her residents. When talks of furloughs started to become a reality last year, Mary Liz at thought that she needed to double down and prove herself as a hard worker and an effective leader. But so many of us, she almost worked to the brink of exhaustion and she realized that actually putting boundaries in place and balancing her life with other hobbies was key to maintaining her well-being and her sense of self. In this episode, Marissa and Mary Liz talk about the struggle of balancing work and life when you truly care for what you what you do. So if you're new here, welcome. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Let's Talk Parks is a podcast where we share the stories of purpose-driven parks and recreation professionals who are committed to challenging organizational norms and raising the bar in the field. We are an evolving resource to not only educate, but also inspire up and coming parks and recreation professionals to raise the bar in their agencies so that they can make a positive difference in their communities. 
We also have a pretty cool newsletter. We're a little biased though, that gets sent out every Thursday morning, which focuses on three primary things, digital transformation. So how you can keep up with technology and how it might impact the field stories worth sharing from professionals like you, which we just highlighted a pretty cool one this morning and career development tips and tricks. So you can sign up for that over at letstalkparks.com. And in other exciting news, people have been telling me this for years and I just always put it off, but we're finally doing it. We are starting a Patreon. So for those of you who have asked how you can support the show, this is how you can do it. We're going to share more details about that soon, but you can learn more about our Patreon over on our website, letstalkparks.com. Okay, I think that's all. Let's get into the show. Here's Marissa and Mary Liz Jane. Hey, Let's Talk Parks. It is Marissa Moravic, and today I am joined by Mary Liz Jane from the Lyle Park District. And the reason we're talking about identity crisis today is because a couple weeks ago, Mary Liz and I were just reminiscing about COVID and just all the different emotions that came during that time. And Mary Liz brought up something that really resonated with me. And I think that a lot in our field are going through something similar. Um, the realization that you have made your job your life, that you you have a life outside of work, but this is what you wake up for every morning. It's what you eat, sleep, and breathe. So what do you do when maybe this isn't going to work? Maybe like many people during COVID were laid off. They were furloughed. Um, their positions were eliminated completely. So what do you do after that happens? So um Mary Liz, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself quick, and then we'll dive right into the episode. Yeah, so my name is Mary Liz Jane. Like Marissa said, I work at the Lyle Park District. I've been there for a couple of years now and um, really enjoy working in the field. Awesome. Okay, so we'll dive right in. Um, so what was that moment like when you realized that you had devoted so much of yourself to the field um, and that it was almost toxic? Yeah, I, I do like remember I could like kind of replay where, where I was then. So I was, when we were working at home, I think it was late March, maybe early April. So like probably just like a week or maybe two, two or three weeks into the shelter in place. And like when, um, you know, we realized that this wasn't just going to be a two week shutdown and, and things were really changing. I was sitting at like the makeshift desk that I had in my living room and um, I felt pretty lost. I think that that is the word to explain it. Just have that, I had that moment where I was like, well, shoot, like what, what is, what's happening with my career, with my life. And it was while I was doing uh, like a bunch of refunds for things and canceling all of our programs and suspending memberships. And just, it, it felt like, like I was ending so many things that I worked so hard on, even though, you know, in the back of your head, you know, it's temporary, but that feeling was just like, scary like what what's next for for the you know for my job or the field or what I'm gonna do every day and it just made me realize that I felt like I didn't have a purpose without my work or without Parks and Rec um like and that purpose could be something small like having coffee with the guys at the fitness center you know the our 
70 plus members, <laughs> meaning 70 year old and older, not uh, the 70 members we have. But anyway, like just, you know, shooting the breeze with them, or even if your employee had a bad day, and you were there to listen to them, like, I feel like we do so many more small things that give us a purpose instead of the big picture stuff. And I just was like, well, I, I don't have that anymore. Like, what, what now? What do I do? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So for me, sitting at home, um, like you said, it kind of felt like almost like something was dying. I mean, that's probably a pretty dramatic way of putting it, but I had just started here at Mundelein and I had all of these big dreams and aspirations for my program area. You know, I just interviewed and told them all of these amazing things that I'm going to do. I'm going to increase revenue by $50,000 and I'm going to increase membership by 50 people and all of this stuff. I'm going to have these cute little garden beds this summer that I'm going to have the seniors plant their fruits and vegetables in, and it's going to be rainbows and butterflies. And then, like you said, after you realize it's not just going to be two weeks, that this is going to go on a little bit longer, you start to kind of have a reality check with yourself um, so that you aren't as disappointed, I guess. So thankfully I have my kids and they keep me super busy. Um, so a couple of years ago, I reached that point where my career was no longer my life. Um, I had, you know, one of my aha moments and was like, all right, you know, as much as I love my career, my career comes second now. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's just those little things I miss coming in and seeing my seniors in the morning and, you know, chatting with them while I take their money for their fitness classes and things like that. So, I mean, we are so lucky that we get to work in a field that brings us so much joy, but I think then it also brought so much pain when that was kind of taken away from us. So yeah, how do you- I remember Oh, I was just to say, I remember joking with like coworkers, like, yeah, who, who would have thought we'd have missed getting calls from insert name here, like, you know, pain in the butt resident who would call all the time, like, who would think we would miss seeing this person at the fitness center. But um, yeah, I guess it did make me appreciate a little bit more the, the negative aspects of the job once they're, once you don't even have those to give you something to do. Yeah. Like you said, those mundane projects of like processing refunds and canceling memberships or putting them on hold. It was like we had so much work to do each day, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't like the good stuff, like coming to work. Like you said, the little things like, oh, great. You know, I just made a couple thousand dollars on this program, but that's not really what matters to me. It's those connections, those people who come to those programs and the smiles on their faces and the buzz after the program. Um, I think someone on Facebook said a couple months ago, like that special events high that you get. So yes. yeah, I think that, that was that hard to get, let go. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, and maybe that was what we all mourned too, is all those special events that we had to watch go away during the summer. I mean, like I said, you get like this adrenaline rush from your programs and from your events and from just interactions with your um, members that once that's gone, it's kind of hard. Yeah. So I um, am the kind of person who tends to set like really high expectations for myself. And I also really um, have always enjoyed being busy. So I felt like if I, if I wasn't busy, then I wasn't doing enough. Like I, 
it's just, I feel like that's also part of our culture too. You feel like if you have a, a lazy day, like you almost feel guilty. And so that was, uh, I feel like that's definitely part of it. And then um, with those high expectations, like I kept needing to work as hard as I could to get to that next level, whatever that is. And I feel like sometimes our careers almost become like formulaic where it's, okay, I'm going to work at this district for one to three years. And then after that time, I can move on. I think you and I were even talking about this recently. And then after this, I'm going to move on and work at this district and this job for one to three years and, you know, keep climbing that ladder. But there's more to it than that. But the the work, I feel like I was just putting so much time into like seeing that goal or like whatever is coming next or what that next step is, like always working forward. And I felt like in order to reach that, I just had to be working all the time and as hard as I possibly could and not take those breaks or find other things to do because I was so focused on um, proving that I proving myself as somebody in the field who works hard and should get that next promotion or should get the next job. Yeah. Like you said, that formulaic, like that two to three years, like typically I'm at a district for two to three years. If I'm there any longer than that, it's surprising. Like I was at Vernon Hills for almost four years. So to me, that was crazy, but yeah, you feel like you have to get all of these different experiences and do all of these different things in order to move up in our field, because our field is very competitive. I mean, there's not Mm -hmm. many positions. So like I've been a rec supervisor for 11, 12 years. And to me, I feel like, uh, you know, like an older person as a rec supervisor, I feel like I should be a manager or superintendent by now. So yeah, maybe if I focused a little bit more and worked, you know, a little bit harder, I'd be you know, at that level, but I've had, you know, little detours along the way, like having kids and things like that. But um, I also think that you start to realize what is more important, um, being happy at your job um, instead of climbing the ladder. Like I've worked for some districts that I have not been so happy at. Um, And you bring that home and you become crabby and you disconnect from your spouse or your significant other. I think you and I were talking about that, that you had to set some boundaries. Um, Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, that was something that was another like kind of wake up call when things were, and it was so hard too, because working from home, like home is work, work is home. There's no more like separation. So it didn't feel like, okay, I'm shutting down for the day and coming home to, you know, make dinner and spend time with my family. It was, I am going to be working from 8am until 11pm because that's how much time I need to get what I thought at the time to get the job done. So, um, yeah, setting the the boundaries was pretty difficult, especially just like with the physical where you are. And then throw in like they were I was lucky enough at my district to not be furloughed or um, you know, have to take any time off or anything. I was able to work <laughs> I say I'm lucky. See now even just saying that, like a no, furlough probably were, wouldn't have been the worst thing. You know, I mean I happily welcomed my furlough. I was so burnt out by the time I I think we were furloughed May first. I was so burnt out and just like in tears every day. And so it was a welcome. So as much as everyone's like, oh, I was really lucky to not be furloughed. I'm like, no, for my emotional well-being, I needed it. 
Yeah. And I, um, I, I, my coworkers were starting like layoffs were being talked about or furloughs were being talked about. And so then I was like, well, shoot, I need to make myself even busier than I have been before. So this is after, like, I realized like I'm a workaholic and that's all I can identify as. I still stayed a workaholic, like all the way through the summer, I would say like, cause we had outdoor fitness classes going, we had camps going and we were all expected to be like, the registrar, the program manager, the facilities attendant, the supervisor, you know, we're doing all these jobs in one working crazy hours, but it felt like you had to because you were just lucky to have a job. So even though my like, quote unquote, identity crisis happened in like late March, early April, it didn't change until probably I would guess October. I had a vacation scheduled just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw your eyes there. But um, probably to like October. And I remember I had a vacation scheduled, thank goodness, because I was like, if I don't get away from this place, I think I'm going to combust. And I, the the second wave of me realizing I was a crazy workaholic was when I snapped at one of my employees, which is not like me at all. I am typically a very uh, pleasant manager and I like to be easy to talk to and I have a great relationship with all of my employees and I snapped at one and it was after that that I was like, you are becoming a person that you don't want to be. So I um, took some time off that was already planned. But in that time, I said to my boss, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bring my work phone. I'm not bringing my laptop. I'm going to really try to shut it, shut everything off and just treat this as like a reset. And um, before I left, I apologized to that coworker because I felt so horrible and, uh, or that employee, I mean, and then um, that was when like, I think things did start to change. Like that was almost my wake up call when that was like the first time I had spent probably more than like four hours with my partner that was uninterrupted by work was when we went on this four day vacation. But other than that, we probably had spent, had spent like very little time together because and when we did I had my laptop open it was yeah I was not a great person looking back at it like not a not a great partner not a great boss all the time and it was all because of that workaholic mindset of like just needing to work harder and harder and more and more and like that was just my purpose well I think even even me as a mom, I find myself being a workaholic. Like we go up to the boundary waters most summers and literally there is no internet connection. There is no phone service. And I tell everyone that I work with before I leave, like, okay, you cannot get a hold of me while I'm up there. I literally will be unreachable. And I remember that there was one time that I came home from Minnesota. It was when I worked at Vernon Hills. And I remember telling them, you cannot reach me. My phone will be dead. Like you cannot get a hold of me. And we went into town one day and I had all of these voicemails from my supervisor, um, you know, panicked because he needed to know certain things. And that kind of made me realize how much I had been giving of myself, you know, like as a facility manager, you take calls at midnight, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, because when the power goes out and your staff needs to know how they're going to open the building the next morning, or do they not open the building the next morning or a pipe bursts or the cleaning company can't come in to do their midnight cleaning because the doors are frozen shut. So I think that there are certain positions to that 
lend themselves to being a little bit of a workaholic. Whereas I specifically took this position at Mundelein as a recreation supervisor of seniors, because I needed some more consistency. Um, at that point in my career, I was very burnt out. Um, I was so tired of being up early every morning to make sure that the fitness center opened properly, staying up late at night because I would get calls from the front desk. We didn't close till 10 PM and, you know, I'd be getting calls up until 10 PM, but then I was also up at five o'clock in the morning when the openers were there and it just, it started to really wear on me. So I think identifying it and acknowledging it and knowing that sometimes it's okay to take a step back and take a break from it. Um, you know, I think a lot of jobs in our field require a lot of us um, around the clock work. But for me, rec supervisor, I can plan my programs. I can kind of know when I'm going to be here, when I'm not going to be here. It's easier to plan around instead of like facility management where you are on call like around the clock. So, yeah. I'm glad that I had this realization when I did. I mean, of course, wish it was sooner, but I um, I had mentioned to you how I'm going to be overseeing the aquatic park this summer. So that is definitely going to be taking a lot of my time, but I'm happy to already know that like I'm going to have to set whatever boundaries I need to with my staff of when they can get a hold of me, when they won't be able to, um, yeah, how late I'll be at work, you know, kind of scheduling times to leave on time so that I'm not spending all my time there. I, I know it's going to be challenging one to even oversee the facility having not any experience yet, but then also making sure I stay sane doing so. Well, and I think a huge part of that is making sure that you have the right staff. So like at Vernon Hills, I loved my front desk staff and all of the people that worked there, but they relied very heavily on me and I probably didn't uh, like train them or coach them enough to be mm -hmm. independent of me. Whereas when I was then at Lake Bluff that summer, um, following Vernon Hills, I had the most amazing staff. I had a fitness supervisor who could run the fitness center with her eyes closed. I had a beach manager and two pool managers who basically ran the show for me. I mean, I, I almost didn't know what to do because <laughs> they did it so well that, <laughs> I, I almost felt obsolete. So, but yeah. that's a, I guess that's kind of a good place to be in, but, um, I guess you need something in between, like there right, needs to right. be a reason to have you there. Um, but you also don't want to be taking calls at all hours and basically, you know, living in your facility. So, yeah. I've joked about during training having a game called Should We Call Mary Liz and then putting like different scenarios on the PowerPoint. This was back when I had before and after school, which they're only there for three hours a day, but you'd be amazed at how many phone calls I got. Like, for example, if there are ants on the floor, should you call Mary Liz? No. If a child, if you had a one less on your head count and it took you a little bit longer to find that kid and the parent found them on the playground before you did should you call mary liz yes should i shouldn't find out about that from the parents so two examples where they got those wrong in real life i did get the call about the ants on the floor but i didn't get the call about the temporarily missing child uh situation so yeah oh, i goodness. 
some people, I just, I guess, just don't get it. I need to adopt that game. Cause like I said, when yeah. I was at Vernon Hills, um, I loved my staff. They were like extended family, but they called me all the time for anything and everything. And it got to the point where I, there was an actually, so many times I would pick up the phone and say, did you just dial 911? Um, and if they, if they said no, I said, shoot me an email or text and I'd hang up. Um, cause yeah. I had tried stressing so many times in staff meetings, please don't call me just because like you're cold at the front desk and I need to do something about it. Like for your next shift, shoot me an email. That's not something mm -hmm. you need to let me know about right away. Um, or, Hey, this member wants 10% off. They didn't get in on the promo and the promo ended yesterday. Can I still give them 10% off? It's not something I'm going to fire you over if you decide to, yes, give them the 10%. It's not a big deal. But um, there was one time where I was in church and I had my phone silenced and they did call 911. And I felt oh, no. awful when I got out. I literally, church service ended. And of course, being the facility manager that I was, I looked at my phone and saw that the front desk had tried calling like three times. And I was like, oh, this can't be good. And I listened to my voicemail and I've got a teenage boy who's panicking because we had a member who passed out in the shower. Um, oh, no. So they had to call 911 and... Um, so, of course, it's the one time they called 911 that I didn't pick up my phone. <laughs> so, but that's, that was my training was, did you just call 911? Because if you didn't, shoot me an email. Um, other, it's yeah. not that important, you know, it, unless it's like an angry customer is in your face. But again, what am I going to do from over the phone? Are you going to hand them the phone and say, here, Marissa's going to have a chat with you. No, likely yeah. I'm going to call them the next day and say, hey, you know, the way that you treated our staff was very inappropriate. Um, but yeah, it's, I need to adopt that training of, um, do I need to yeah. call Should Mary we Liz? Call, yeah. Should we call Should Mary we call Liz? Marissa? I'm, <laughs> I'm literally going to have a training call. Should we call Mary Liz? Um, <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, what are new hobbies you picked up and you kind of already talked about um, boundaries and creating more balance, but what are some of the things that you've picked up since you decided that these boundaries needed to take place? Yeah. So one thing that I got pretty into during the pandemic was yoga. And I really would love to be able to meditate, but I have such a hard time getting my brain to not be racing um, for any longer than about three minutes, which is usually like, you know, what the Shavasana is at the end of yoga. So it's pretty perfect. And so in that time, it was just kind of like my time to try to just have my thoughts without work, like think about something else that's not work and just kind of take that time to myself and, and think about really who I am, like who, being alone with my thoughts. And um, some other things I got into was like random goals. Like I ended up volunteering for some political campaigns, which was something I was really wanting to do like all the way back in high school and never did. So um, that was pretty cool. I tried developing a hobby to raise uh, monarch and swallowtail butterflies, but, <laughs> but really I just kind of gave that all over to my girlfriend because I determined I don't really like bugs. And so we had like 30 uh, caterpillars at a time in our house, like that you have to like feed and, and clean up after. And like, I mean, they were in like little Tupperwares. It, it's just a weird, if anybody wants to know more about saving the pollinators, I'm happy to share my knowledge. But um, 
I learned that that is not a skill that I have, but it's, I don't know, it ate up some, some time. It gave me something else to do. Um, and then as far as like setting boundaries, I kind of, like I mentioned before, like scheduling just a time to be done with work. So I try to, um, put things in my calendar. Like I write them in my work calendar so that I know, you know, on, for example, Tuesday, I have a podcast recording at seven. So I have to be done working by then or taking a fitness class at five 30. So I know, you know, out of the office by five so that I can make it there on time or even like a special um, dinner or something that is going to take me time to get ready for. So I have to shut off at a certain time. And that's been, that's been helpful, just like making plans. Otherwise, it's, I, I'm realizing as I'm talking that it's again, just liking to be busy, but I think just having things scheduled, even if it is movie night, it just gives me something else to do that I have is in my schedule so that I can stop working. And that's been beneficial. That's where like having kids, I have my own little built in timer, like have to stop work by four 30 because I've got to go pick up my daughter from daycare or I've got to be with my son or do whatever. So, um, as much as sometimes kids make it a little more difficult for me to volunteer, to help at certain events or things like that. Um, it, it's kind of a built-in stop guard. Okay. No, I have to stop working right now because I have to go pick up my kids. Um, and that it, it's not like that keeps me from working when I get home. Um, typically after they go to bed at night, I do check my work emails one more time. Um, because I am a planner and I'm someone who likes to be prepared. So if there is an email about, um, maybe it's from one of my seniors. They're upset about something. I kind of like to prepare myself for the next day. You know, how I'm going to respond. I have gotten a lot better about taking time before I respond to things, especially mm -hmm. things that fire me up. Um, if it's, you know, like an email from a supervisor asking me to do something, or again, like the seniors complaining about something I try to take, like, I know we're supposed to respond to people within 24 hours, but I try to take 24 hours to cool down about it, think about it, maybe come up with a couple different versions of how I'm going to respond. Um, but yeah, that's just been my like built-in boundaries, having my kids. And then, like I said, like going up to the boundary waters, cause no one can get a hold of me while I'm up there. So, um, <laughs> yes, I like, I like the concept of kind of building things into your schedule so that you have to stop, you have to put work down. So um, are there any final thoughts you want to leave us with to wrap up the episode? Um, yeah, I guess I would just say like anyone who has found themselves like in this boat or in these shoes or if anything I'm saying is like really resonating, just take that time to like identify something to like some way, other way you identify. So like if somebody was to ask me like, tell me about Mary Liz, I feel like I would have a harder time, you know, a couple months ago saying anything aside from I work for the Lyle Park District, <laughs> whereas now I can say things like, oh, well, I work for the Lyle Park District and I really enjoy doing yoga and I've learned some new cocktail recipes over quarantine or well, I feel like I have more things to, to say about myself and who I am aside from just I work at the Lyle Park District because that was kind of saying who I am. So if you are in this boat, like just think about that. Even if somebody said, tell me about yourself, what more is there to you aside from where you work? 
Yeah. Maybe that would be a good exercise for our listeners. Like if you're taking notes right now, um, write down, you know, like we always do those icebreaker, you know, things that trainings and meetings, but, um, you know, try to think about how someone would describe you and what they would describe your hobbies as. I know that I personally get really uncomfortable when people ask that question, like, Hey, what do you like to do? Uh, I, I spend time with my three-year-old and six-year-old and I work. So I don't really, and it kind of got lame saying, Hey, I don't really have anything to do outside of those two things. I'm a mom, a wife, and a you know, professional. And that's really all I identify as. And, um, as much as this podcast might seem like work, it has kind of been a hobby and it's been something that I'm able to tell people that I do on the side. So, um, yes, I would say if you're listening right now as an exercise, think about your hobbies and write down, or even ask someone, ask a coworker, like, how would you describe me? What, you know, what do I, what do you think I do outside of work? Um, so (laughs) might be some scary responses. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe be careful about who you ask. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, and lastly, um, what does it mean to you to raise the bar in the field of parks and recreation? Yeah. So I think that the way, um, park and rec professionals are, are raising the bar are what I noticed is we always just go that extra mile and take the extra time. So even like as we were talking through this episode or other times that we've chatted about things like the fact that we are willing to pick up the phone for that senior who you know is going to take 10 minutes to talk to you, but she lives alone and doesn't have you know a good relationship with her kids, let's say. So you might be the only person she talks to that day. So like when I think about what other companies or agencies are doing. Like, I just don't see that same um, compassion and care in what they do that we give. Or, um, for example, like just putting a family on a payment plan if they can't afford a pool pass for the summer or finding ways to get their kids active in something. I guess just, yeah, going the extra mile, taking the extra time to make sure that we are truly putting our our passion for parks and recreation first. So giving people, some outlets for recreation, for health purposes, you know, exercise, things like that, um, social opportunities. I feel like we just always take it a step further than is what's necessary. And that is my favorite part about working in the field and of getting to know all the people who are passionate about it is just seeing how much we care about our residents and our community. I love that. And that's exactly why I'm in this field too. Cause I get those little ounces of satisfaction each day, just chatting with my seniors and mm-hmm. um, coworkers and other people in the field. So thank you so much, Mary Liz. Um, and we will talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I think that many of us can relate to Mary Liz because we all care so much about the communities we serve, the team that we manage, and the parks that we love. And it's often difficult to set boundaries and turn off work, but doing so is critical because we're playing the long game. We're in it for our entire career, and we need to maintain the momentum that we have right now to prevent burnout and overwhelm. If you'd like this episode, we'd love it if you could share it with a colleague or a friend. And we love reading your reviews on Apple Podcasts too. Thanks for everything that you do out there in the field. And until next time, let's talk parks.